back to Deeper Than Most. I'm your host, Seb. And I'm your host, DJ. And today we are on episode 64. Mm. And we're going to be covering women in power through the past. This is going to be the first part of a little mini-series we're going to kick off um, for the summertime, just highlighting various women in power throughout the past. That's pretty dope, actually. I feel like women should get more highlight throughout history, and they don't get enough. But today we have one each, but we're going to go a little in depth about each one. So have a good time and enjoy. Definitely. We're going to do two each time we do one of these. So that way we can get a more full and rounded picture of these figures. But speaking of things that don't get enough light in today's society, happy Juneteenth, everybody. Yes. For those of you that don't know, Juneteenth is the real Black Independence Day. Well, free slavery day. Let us know what your plans are for Juneteenth. Are you going to have a cookout? Are you going to just chill at home? Um, you going to go to a kickback? What are you going to do? Let us know. A block party. There's always fun stuff going around. I think, like, in various cities, people are doing Freaknik. They're bringing that back. But, yeah, people have been bringing Freaknik back and just a whole lot of things to celebrate our blackness. So, yeah, I don't know. We don't really have anything planned. We're working. I know that much. But one one of these years we're gonna go crazy. I know for a fact. But before we get into our dose of the most for this week, we just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know that DTM is steadily growing and steadily progressing, steadily elevating. What did we say at the beginning of this year? It's the year of elevation. Say it loud and proud. Elevation. Yes, the year of elevation. And that's what we are planning on doing this whole year is just continuing to elevate mind, body, and spirit and podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can definitely say that Deeper Than Most has been reaching our goals slowly but surely. So, you know, come along for the ride. Support our YouTube channel by subscribing, liking our videos, commenting. Um, you know, also follow us on Instagram. Yeah, dude, if you're not watching or listening to Deeper Than Most, come on now. What are you doing? We say this every other episode or every episode. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's dog. I don't care. Just tell somebody, anybody. Yes, and what really, really helps our show is rating and reviewing on any podcast platform that you listen to us on. Because we know we got listeners. Oh. Not just viewers. We got listeners. This week, for our dose of the most, we have two topics. So, our first one is... BBC highlights powerful women. And BBC is the broadcasting network, you nasty fucker. <laughs> In a recent article, 100 Women of 2021, the BBC network compiled a list of inspiring and influential women. The list shows each woman in their unique role in reinventing our society, our culture, and our world. This list includes Malala Yousafzai, the youngest Nobel Prize recipient, Fiam Mata'afa, Samoa's first female prime minister, and Aluye uh, Mayorija, who's the founder of an all-woman law firm. That is awesome, and honestly perfect for today's episode. Yeah, hell yeah. That's awesome. Most of this list had uh, Afghani women. So yes, uh, I think Malala is from Afghan, mm -hmm. but you have Fiam who is from Samoa, and then you have Aluye, she's from Kenya, actually. Nice. That's cool. I'd love to see it. Minority women mm -hmm. taking charge and fulfilling powerful roles in society. It's mm -hmm. 
it's really empowering to see and I hope that we can continue to see more of it and I hope that over time it becomes something that is normalized as opposed to something that should be praised. So yeah, that's a really good one. And I feel like our next DOM is just as good. This one is good, but on a different level. Okay. So this one is titled, The Real Life Flash Before Our Eyes. Mm -hmm. The idea of life flashing before your eyes has been an age-old concept. However, recently, science has confirmed that upon death, life truly does pass before the eyes. According to a recent study published in Frontiers in Aging Neuroscience, an 87-year-old epilepsy patient unexpectedly passed away. During a brain scan, the scan found that the patient's brain seemed to actually replay memories within the 30-second time span it took between the time his heart was beating until it stopped. Oh, wow. That's actually... Damn. Impressive. That answers the question, then. Like... Yeah. Wow. That is so weird, though. Like... Something that was just made fun of. Like, you know, it's something that kind of just makes sense. Like, right. yeah, you would kind of just do a replay of everything right. in your last moments. But, wow, to have it, like, confirmed. It was always just a theory. 30 so seconds, though. God damn. Yeah, but I wonder if it feels like 30 seconds right. to the person, you know? Right. This also makes me want to get into that conspiracy theory about how... What if the life that we're all currently living is the flashback? What if? Like, we're all already dead. It's a crazy one. We might talk about that in an episode. The patient had suffered a heart attack due to his non-resuscitate status. So apparently, you can actually... You know how there's like the organ donor option on your license or your ID? So I believe if you're a long-term patient, um, basically near death, like, and it's known that you're going to die soon... I believe that you actually have the choice, um, whether this comes down to like cancer or in his case, epilepsy, old age, just different things. Um, I believe you have a choice to where it's like, okay, if I'm going to pass away, like, do you want to be resuscitated or do you want us to just let you go? Kind of like pulling the plug where like, for example, grandma said, if she ever had to be in a position where there was an ultimatum, she doesn't want to be on the plug like she wants the plug to be pulled and like a dignity death there's different things that qualify a person to have this sort of status so not just because you go to the hospital for a broken bone doesn't mean they're gonna ask you do you want us to resuscitate you if you die like it has to be a serious matter it has to be like a life or death matter right or i'm guessing in this person's case it was just old age i thought that was really interesting um i didn't know that you could choose to be resuscitated like per se so but he didn't want to be it's interesting i wonder what people's reasoning is but due to his non-resuscitate status scientists were able to consensually track his brain waves in his final moments of life which is insane this is something that has never been done cool as fuck though but it's just so interesting that, like, we're getting to see it, like, in our lifetime. First hand, yeah. The scan was led by an international team of 13 neuroscientists, with Raul Vicent being at the head of the operation. Surprisingly, the scan wasn't even originally for the post-death brainwaves. It was actually to detect and treat seizures. However, this timing worked in the scientists' favor, allowing them the first ever glimpse of the brain activity of a dying human. They wouldn't even look. It was completely by accident. It yeah. was not even. Like, perfect timing. 
I was not even looking for that. I think that this is definitely a breakthrough. Oh, hell yeah. And I feel like this can tell us a lot down the line. Yeah, they can tell us, like, the fact that the life before your eyes actually exists. I wonder what else we could get into. Right? Be very interesting to see where they go from this. Those were our DOMs, and now we're going to get into the fun part, which is our two beautiful women, beautiful and powerful women from the past. Our first one is Marie Curie. She's a Polish and French physicist and chemist. Marie, aka Maria Sklodowska, was a Scorpio born November 7th, 1867 in Warsaw, Poland. And I just want to take a moment because <laughs> that's my birthday twin. Wow, that's really cool. That and cool. I didn't know this that upon, cool, you know, like I knew of her, but I didn't know that we shared the same birthday. That's what's up. She was the daughter of a middle school teacher, aka a secondary school teacher, because I believe that's what they call middle school in Poland. And Plenty of other places, too. I feel like the U.S. is one of the only places that calls middle school middle school. Yeah, a lot of places, especially like Europe, they call it secondary. They call it, and I know um, even in Japan, they have like a, you have to like get in. like Right. Yeah, because isn't their secondary slash middle school basically middle school and high school combined? Like our version of middle school and high school? I believe so, yeah. Because even in the U.S., there's some middle schools that start, it's only like 7th, 8th, and ninth grade or something, instead of 6th, 7th, 8th. And like your elementary goes till 6th grade, and then high school isn't till 10th, 11th, 12th. It's weird. But yeah, basically that. <laughs> she had a general education, as most did, and learned a bit of science from her father while growing up. In 1981, she made a move to Paris and continued her studies at the Sorbonne, there, she received her licensship in physics and mathematical studies. Hey, let's go. That's really impressive for that time, though. She definitely, I'm sure, was, like, pushed to the edge, having to prove her worth and, you know, be, be seen as equal to a lot of the men around her. While she was studying at Sorbonne, this is where she met Pierre Curie. He was a professor in the School of Physics. The two got married the following year. Is it just me or like back then, did people just get married a lot quicker? Oh, they definitely did. Than we do now. I feel like hearing somebody get married after dating for a year in today's day and age is like, hmm, all right, move at your own pace. <laughs> but like back then, I'm sure it was normal. Like people just knew like. I don't know how to explain it, but a lot of the times, like, marriages would last during this day and age. In 1903, she gained her doctorate science degree, and sadly, in 1906, Pierre Curie had tragically passed away, leaving Marie to take on his role as professor of general physics in the Faculty of Sciences. Yeah, so the fact that she was even able to take on his role is impressive on its own because that is just not something that was given to women at all marie would become the first woman to ever hold this position yeah, that's dope it really is that's dope as fuck just imagine that like said you know your husband passes away the fact that she gets to like keep his legacy going and teach for him and then even you know add her own stuff yeah and probably you know, reach goals and dreams that she had for herself, but right. that probably weren't attainable prior to his death. Right. 
Prior to her husband's death, their researches were often done under poor conditions and both were struggling to make a livelihood. So they weren't rich by any means, um, probably not even living comfortably, but they were definitely determined to do science and to change the world in whatever way that they could, um, which is always cool about like learning and hearing about scientists before our time. Because they really did pave the way for us to live the way that we live today in society. None of this shit would be possible without the scientists that we had in the past. Exactly. A lot of it, and a lot of them, like, they were hard down passionate. Like, full on passionate. Dedicating your life to the cause. Like, that's what it was about. The discovery of radioactivity by Henry Bakhirel in 1896 inspired the Curies in their brilliant researches and analysis, which led to the isolation of polonium, named after the country of Marie's birth, and radium. Mm, and we know about radium, you know? Mm. We do. Radium is not something to play with. No. Didn't we watch yeah, Radium Girls? We watched that, yeah. Yeah, watch Radium Girls on, I think Netflix is where it was. Yeah, it was on Netflix. Yeah. Um, it kind of shows like a firsthand account of working with radium. And that's all I'm going to say. Following this triumph in the science community, Marie went on to develop methods for the separation of radium from radioactive residue. So she was trying to figure out a way to literally extract the radium from a radioactive material. Okay. Because radioactive materials are very, very dangerous for us. But I guess around this time, there were there was proof that radium had benefits. Um, of course, that's how it was marketed. Obviously, we know in the past that not everything that was popular or that was commonly used was good and you know obviously we figure it out over time but i think radium was one of those things they didn't know that it was bad at the time but we now know that radium and radioactive materials are not good they're not safe during world war one marie actively promoted the benefits and range of usage for the radium that she would extract Radium-223 is sometimes used to treat prostate cancer that has spread to the bones. Because bones contain calcium and radium is in the same group as calcium, it can be used to target cancerous bone cells. And that was the only benefit that I could honestly find. But if we're talking about cancer, even around this time, probably even today's day and age, if we didn't know how bad radium is, this is something that people would want. This is something that... People would be excited for. Cancer is such an invasive um, illness. And this is something that would have been very popular. And if we didn't know how bad it was today, it'd probably still be popular. She stayed dedicated to her cause and message and was eventually able to contribute majorly to a radioactivity lab being set up in her home city. She was really, like, doing big things. The damn thing, Yes. In 1929, President Hoover presented Marie with a gift of $50,000 donated by the American Friends of Science program. That's, yeah, that's cool. I didn't even know that was a program. I wonder, like, what else they do. Right. Or, or maybe it's just people that, like, support science, right? Friends of science. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I would have to look into it to see, but that's what it sounds like. This gift was to be used to purchase radium for her lab in Warsaw, which, once again, is her hometown. 
Marie Curie was seen as a high figure in the science world. Her discoveries and determination posed as a great inspiration to the community as a whole. And she's definitely one of those powerhouse names in the science community. There's a lot of powerhouse names in the science community, though. More notably men, of course. But, like, Albert Einstein, for example, he's probably the biggest one. But it's just cool to see a woman up there on the list doing big things. Now that we know that radium isn't good for us, like, I don't know. I, obviously, she didn't know that at the time, but her, I think her findings are still remarkable. And this is one of the very few times I feel like we actually learn from history. Yeah. Because this society and this country apparently doesn't understand that certain things being repeated is not a good idea. Exactly. <laughs> but... I would say in this case specifically, they did they did their homework. And yes, we still do use radiation to treat cancer and, and all that. But radium... Yeah, we still do, yeah. Radium specifically isn't used, which is, which is fine, which is great. Right, definitely. Um, and that's what it is. That's what life is. It is science. It's all trial and error. And in order to get the results that we want and the ex- results that we expect, we have to fuck up and make mistakes. But... Without those mistakes and those fuck-ups or lack of knowledge, we wouldn't get to where we are, you know? There's no way you could know if you don't have mess-ups, if something is good or bad for us. I wonder if, like, she was alive to know that radium was bad, because it seemed like that radium girl show happened around this time. It did. Even more about Marie. Marie Curie's work has been easily supported by her numerous amounts of awards bestowed onto her. She received many honorary science, medicine, and law degrees and honorary memberships of learned societies throughout the world. Together with her husband, she was awarded half of the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1903 for their study into the spontaneous radiation discovered by Bakurel, who was awarded the other half of the prize. So they were up there with Bakurel. He got half of the Nobel, and they together got the other half. That's cool. I wonder how that works. Like, when you discover something or like present an idea and it just like changes the world like that how do they contact you like how do they just (laughs) no especially back then it's not like they had phones in 1911 she received a second nobel prize this time in chemistry in recognition of her work in radioactivity she also received jointly with her husband the davy medal of the royal society in 1903 and in 1921 so she got two of those awards President Harding of the United States, on behalf of the women of America, presented her with one gram of radium in recognition of her service to science. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting. She had quite a few presidents just really acknowledging and admiring her work and what she has brought to the science community and to the world, like, to society as a whole. Now could you not? Like, that's a big discovery here. Oh, Yeah. The end of a Curie. On July 4th, 1934, at the Saint-Salomon's Sanitarium in Passy, France, at the age of 66, Marie Curie died. The cause of her death was given as plastic pernicious anemia, a condition she developed after years of exposure to radiation through her work. So, even within her, it, it proved, like, because she was working with radium all the time. Like, that was what she was doing. So, it did eventually take hold of her body and was the cause of her death which is just kind of sad in a sense it's very poetic actually like 
Her groundbreaking discovery was her demise. Marie left behind two daughters. It always hits a little harder when you know that somebody's leaving behind children. And I don't know how old the daughters were at the time of her death, but regardless, like these people are growing up without parents. And if these daughters are ones that she had with her late husband, they didn't have either one of their parents. And just to tap into another thing that radiation can do, like a negative thing that radiation can do to the human body, radiation can damage the DNA in our cells. High doses of radiation can cause acute radiation syndrome, aka ARS, or cuteness radiation injuries, aka CRIs. High doses of radiation could also lead to cancer later in life. So the same thing that we use to combat cancer is the same thing that can cause cancer. Right. It makes no sense. But yeah. I guess it's like everything else. When done in moderation, it does what it's supposed to. But if overindulged, it becomes a problem. Very true. In 2019, it was reported, now more than 80 years since her death, the body of Marie Curie is still radioactive. Oh yeah, that shit doesn't go away. It, it takes a while. Like When I say a while, I mean like millennia. That is insane. It would, the same could be said about the radium girl. Yeah, it takes millenniums for it to ever like... For people who don't know like how radiation can affect the body, it will literally leave your body like glowing. It, yeah. Like, if you're if there's high traces in the body, it will literally glow. It'll rot your teeth out. Yeah. I mean, eat you from the inside out, basically. Yeah. It's a very serious and scary material to work with. Yeah. For example, when we mentioned chemo earlier and how radiation is used to help treat cancer, this is something that can be used for good and bad purposes. Like, it... I don't know. It's just a very tricky substance to deal with. Like, it could be good, maybe, but it can also, like, for the most part, it can be very bad. And I believe this is a lot, uh, has a lot to do with why we wear hazmat suits nowadays when it comes to dealing with radioactive materials. Because now, seeing studies like this and understanding what goes on with radiation, they've been able to create suits or materials to combat the effects. Before we get into our next wonderful woman in power, we want to take a moment to show some sponsor love. And we will see you. And we're back. Like a powerful butt crack. So our next woman in power is Theodora, or as I like to call her, the unknown empress. We are going to be jumping way back in time <laughs> with a little touch of theo she was born theodora i don't know if she had a last name or not it just it just says theodora i don't think if that like first and last names were a thing back then were they she was born in 497 ce and she died june 28th uh 548 <laughs> yeah i don't know how these time how this time either. works it, it always freaks me out every time i read it because i'm like is that right? Yeah, it just sounds insane. And she was born in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, or what is better known as Turkey. The Empress is described as being short but attractive, and she was a stickler for court ceremony and loved luxury. Nice. Yeah, no, Giving me Cleopatra vibes already. Seen pictures of her fucking decked out. In oh, she's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And yeah, definitely surrounded by riches. And now I'm going to give you a little bit more about Theodora. This is going to be her early life. She was the wife of the Emperor Justinian I, who reigned from 527 to 565. Ain't no BC or nothing? Nope. 
Wow, there that. was actually... Imagine what year... Wait, there's a movie on that, ain't it? Year one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And that's the game, man. <laughs> See, this shit don't make sense. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> what is this? 565? Mm. I ain't got time. And she was... Probably the most powerful woman in the Byzantine Empire. Her intelligence and political acumen, acumen is like her like will or witness and whatever. Mm-hmm. Her intelligence and political acumen made her Justinian's most trusted advisor and enabled her to use the powered influence of her office to promote religious and social policies that favored her interests. And her interests included women's power, uh, women's rights, and a little... A little more of everything else because she was kind of crazy, but that's... <laughs> that's fucking awesome, though. But kind of sad in a way that women have been fighting for our rights since the beginning of time. Yeah. That just don't sit right with me. It's so weird because me personally, I think all of our history is a lie. Well, let's be honest. Black people, our history is completely erased. But from the white history that we know, it's all lies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the world was very much more matriarchal than history makes it out to be. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Or I just think it was more, I hate to use the word, like, savage than what oh, we yeah. know it to be. Oh, hell yeah, for sure. I could not imagine, like, living during a time period, especially during this specific time period, because this goes, their specific time period goes into the Dark Ages. Which is like the bubonic plague and like all of that shit. All the crazy shit. Yeah. Plagues were really on the rise. Plagues were probably like the plague of our history, literally. Like they literally were. They were right? fucking everybody up. And I'm surprised we haven't had any recent like crazy plagues. See, and I think that's attributed to our our science studies, which I mean, God bless science because like we've been able to figure out those patterns and like stop them before they start or even if they do start try to like kill them before yeah but like even in terms of like mass hysteria like the dancing plague people were literally dancing until they died how what why i don't know but it was a mass hysteria event and i feel like in the world that we live in now with technology and everybody just being in their own bubble it would be hard to create such a mass hysterical event like that again Because back then, they didn't have shit to distract them. So if you're just having a a regular Monday and you see everybody's dancing for like weeks on weeks on end, eventually you're going to join because what else is there to do? You're not in your own bubble. And it's not normal and a good thing to stray away from the path of everybody else. Not during these times, at least. No, these times were very consensus-based and very like group-minded. So the fact... I feel like individuality in our current society came around like early 14th, 13th century. Little is known of Theodora's early life, but a combination of the official version with that found in the highly colored secret history of Procopius of Caesarea probably provides the best explanation. And just to give you a little, yeah. <laughs> My brain just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down. So all that that I just read is basically like early text to describe what the fuck was going on back then. In simple terms. Yeah. That's my like. <laughs> Her father, Acacius, was a bear keeper at the Hippodrome, which is a circus in Constantinople. Yeah, yeah. They had circuses? Yeah, circuses, theater. They had a lot of shit back then. What the, what? So when the fuck were the Vikings around? That shit don't add up either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Prokofiev says that she became an actress and a prostitute while still young, leading an unconventional life that included giving birth to at least one child out of wedlock. And that was a daughter, by the way. Wow, they really like still held true to these customs around this time. Interesting. It is very interesting because this is around the time like the crucibles started happening and like, the, well, the crusades, anyway. Theodore is remembered as one of the first rulers to recognize the rights of women, passing strict laws to prohibit the traffic in young girls and altering the divorce laws to give greater benefits to women. I love that. That's awesome. And kudos. Kudos to her because, wow, that's impressive. And to know that she was taking part in, like, sex work and to be an advocate for other young women and young girls just shows, like, her character as well as divorce laws and because divorce laws were and kind of still are shitty for women i would say not now but you know recently like still they just weren't the best nothing is the best for women for the most part but the fact that she was striving for equality and you know equity amongst men and women you know to be the same like to be held to an equal standard that's what's important and that's what matters. And the, the best part about Theodora specifically, Justinian was all on board. He was like, if she's not seen as an equal, then nothing else can be said. Like, I want my wife to be equal. To equal. Me. Yeah, I want her to be an equal. I don't want oh, He a good one. Yeah. He was a good one. Yeah. Damn. Okay, Justinian. Justinian the first. What the hell is the Byzantine Empire? It's also referred to as the Eastern... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> What happened? You okay? That's gonna be fucking rewatch. Let's just get the. We got ghosts in this motherfucker. Oh, All I look over, I see. It's also referred to as the Eastern Roman Empire or Byzantium. It was a continuation of the Roman Empire and its eastern provinces during late antiquity and the Middle Ages. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just thought of some stupid ass shit. You think they got busy in Byzantium? You think it was a busy place? In Byzantium? Had to be. <laughs> Ain't no other way. The capital of Byzantium was Constantinople, and like I said earlier, that is modern-day Turkey. It was the longest-lasting medieval power, and its influence continues today, especially in religion, art, architecture, and law of many Western states, Eastern and Central Europe, and Russia. So now we're going to get into her prominent role and her death. Theodora's religious policies seem to have been entirely her own. They were certainly not those of her husband, the leader of the Byzantine church and protector of orthodoxy, which is at this time Catholic religion and all that stuff. The Empress favored monophysitism, that is the belief that Jesus Christ had only one divine nature, which went against the orthodox view that he had two natures, one human and one divine. Oh, okay, okay. I was a little lost at first, but after you said the second part, it makes more sense. Because it is widely believed that Jesus was a human, but he was also a divine entity, a divine being. But with the monophysitism belief, it's believed that he did not have a human form, I guess you could say, and he was only a divine spirit. He was only a divine entity right. like not a physical being right. 
Which honestly, I didn't know that until like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that until now. So that's cool. Yeah. The bubonic plague struck the empire in the spring of 542 CE. Justinian himself was infected. He survived, but while he was gravely ill, Theodora ruled alone. Nice, but I don't know. I love how the women like take on the role, but you know, and usually do a better job than their husband or their predecessor. But I just hate that it always comes down to something happening to the man and she just has no choice but to take control. And what if like that happens and the chick sucks? She saw that Justinian did not have an heir, so she made her move to continue the empire herself. Theodora was noted for her influence on Justinian's social reforms and her, char her charitable work sponsoring the foundation of many institutions for the poor, such as orphanages, hospitals, and, perhaps significantly giving her former profession, a home for former prostitutes seeking to re-enter respectable society. I love that it was for the poor, though. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of implies that the rich already had access to orphanages, hospitals, and everything else. Yeah, no. Um, people that were more well-off during times like this were often dickheads. Like, they often had their own. Yeah, yeah it ain't changed. It's still uh, the same. Yeah. Theodora died in 548 CE, aged just 51 or 52, probably of cancer. And Justinian had no heir, but perhaps significantly, he never remarried. And he went on to rule again for another 17 years, but he just wasn't the same without his wife. That says a lot. Mm -hmm. The fact that he never remarried and he, like you said, he just wasn't the same after her passing, it really, really says a lot about particularly who she was, but just about the role that women play in their partner's lives, mm -hmm. you know? For sure. But that's been Theodora, the Unknown Empress, and now we are going to get into the wiggity 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 wind down. Our first wind down is one thing you learned. Shit. Everything. <laughs> I learned that life really does flash before your eyes. So enjoy every moment, because you might get a replay in the end of something you might not like. <laughs> I learned anything from this episode. It's definitely the life flashing before your eyes thing. I'm glad that they finally confirmed that. Why not number two? Your favorite part about today's episode? Mm, my favorite part about the episode is seeing the fact that Theodora was out here running the whole empire by herself. That shit badass. I would say my favorite part was listing off every single award that Marie Curie had earned. Like she literally earned those awards. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it just proves how much she has contributed to society, right. to the human race and to science. Like, I don't know, it's just so cool. Um, Cause those awards are not easy to get. Like real awards that mean things like the Nobel prize like that shit is not easy to get at all one down number three what surprised you the most the fact that we don't know shit about history like <laughs> i was so like reading that even yeah. bruh i was taken aback when i did the research i'm like i thought that this was before this and this came after this but i agree that ain't <laughs> good. yeah what surprised me the most was time like <laughs> yeah. time it just wasn't giving it 
time wasn't timing, okay? Like, yeah, that's what surprised me the most. Because what the hell? And you too. Like, because what the hell? <laughs> My last wind down is, do you believe the saying, behind every great man is a powerful woman? Personally, I believe so. Because let's be completely honest here. Let's be, like, factual here. Women are the brains and men are the brawn. Like, that's just how it was designed to be. And it's always been. Yeah. And it will forever be. Before we hop on out of here, we just want to leave you guys with some kind words. But before we do, we're going to let you know one more time how you can support the show. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at Deeper Than Most Podcast. Enjoy it. And, and we have so many episodes for you to enjoy and check out. So please. Also, make sure you're sharing the content. Make sure you're leaving reviews and ratings on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, 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 don't forget to rate. Please rate. Please rate. Help us get on the charts. We're nowhere near the charts, y'all, but it would be nice. We're going to be that motherfucking chart one day. Well, kind words. My kind words are short and simple. Love the women around you. Period, point blank. With the state of the world and everything that the U.S. is trying to throw upon women recently, um, there's just a lot. There's just a lot going on. Love the women around you. And with love, that extends to grace, that extends to respect, that extends to support, that extends to, to kindness. So many other things, but love the woman, or the woman, hello, the women around you. I would say my kind words are be kind freely. Be kind and expect nothing else. Like, don't be nice to someone and expect to get something out of it. Because if you want to be nice, be nice because you want to be nice, not because you feel like you're gaining something. I think those are some great kind words for today's topic and next week we might have a surprise but you'll see just tune in <laughs> you, man you never know deeper than most exactly. we're, we're the best show and we're the best host so <laughs> this has been episode 64 women in power part one which means you have a potential part two on the way and 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 63 other episodes to check out including our short stuff bonuses stay light stay bright and stay positive and I've been your host, Sam. And I've been your host, DJ. Catch us next week on another episode of Deeper, Deeper Than, Than Most. Most.